And so I ended up kicking down the door to the classroom and just taking over lecture on a random like Wednesday or something and just started teaching the class about adolescent sexual development, quote unquote, even though I have no idea anything about that. And I basically played the part of an estranged professor who thinks kids will ruin your life and that you should never have kids. And so I taught the class how to put a condom onto a banana. and welcome to our next episode of Behind the Mascot, the only show where our guests are encouraged to lose their heads and share their tales. Today we have the great pleasure of being joined by Grayson, who formerly performed as The Tree from Stanford University. Grayson, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you decided you wanted to get involved as The Tree. So my way I came to Stanford was a little little weird. I actually grew up on a dairy farm in Southern Illinois. Definitely didn't think about going to Stanford. Definitely did not consider being a mascot. Um, but I managed to get a scholarship that allowed me to go to, to Stanford. And I went and didn't know what the tree was for the first couple of years. Um, little background on the tree. The tree is um, the unofficial mascot of Stanford University. Stanford does not actually have a mascot. We are the Stanford Cardinal, as in the Cardinal Red, um, not the bird. And so the story goes that in 1975, the band, the, the Stanford band, which is famous in its own right, um, decided to make fun of the fact that the university did not have a mascot. And so um, they started putting out, in, in the 75 season, they started putting out random mascots into the halftime show um, just to make fun of the fact that one didn't exist. And they included like the, the French fry, the steaming manhole, and finally the tree. And the tree was so well received that they decided to make it a permanent fixture and made the band made the tree the official mascot of the band and it de facto became the unofficial mascot of Stanford. And um, I didn't know any of that. I saw the tree at football games and was like, oh, that's neat, I guess. Like, that's cool. But actually what came about is a friend of mine was a friend of the tree who selected me, who ended up selecting me. And he told me, hey, like, I think your personality is good for this gig. Like... The tree is one person. It's not like most places where there might be a club of people and the tree doesn't keep their identity a secret. It's just you wear it on your back. The person is the tree who wears a tree's costume. And um, yeah, so he introduced me to, to her and I talked to her about what being the tree might be like. And after she told me a little bit about it, I was fully sending it. it as I was like, I want to do this. This looks like fun. And um, we always say, you know, the purpose of tree is to one end band and the second purpose, you know, to have the most fun you can possibly have doing something in college. And um, I think it really was that that encapsulates what the experience is like. That's so funny because the tree is such a unique mascot in that like you're totally out there. Like people know that it's you, you know, you're kind of a celebrity walking around campus. Um, could you take us through, you kind of mentioned you were selected. Could you explain what that was like and what that process is like? Yeah, of course. You're smiling because you already know. But uh, Tree is selected through a process called Tree Week every year. Tree Week is actually two weeks. The S is silent. Um, but Tree Week is basically where people who would like to become the tree, also called sprouts, try to impress the current tree and former trees Um impress them and show that they have the right energy, the right hotspot to take over the position to be the next tree. 
And the way they do that is via these things called stunts. And stunts are pretty much their wacky, zany, creative, personality-showing um, sorts of things that people design on their own. The sprouts design them on their own, and they just tell the tree during tree week, like, be at this location at this time. And the tree shows up, and then the, pe- the person, the sprout, does their stunt, and the trees observe it. And there's just two weeks of that where those things are happening, like, nonstop, and um, the trees are just observing. And then the end of the, of the tree week, then the tree... Um, selects the next tree and there's only one vote that counts and whoever the next whoever the current tree selects as the next tree um, that is the the next Stanford tree so could you describe what you did for tree week to get selected <laughs> I can I can describe some things I, I did I guess don't want to incriminate myself too much but um, one of the things I did was um, my tree mother we always go by the lineage name my tree mother the one who selected me she was in a, a human biology class about adolescent sexual development, and that was perfect for Tree Week, like perfect. So I asked the professor if I could do something in class, and the professor said, oh yeah, sure, we're all good sports here, just come do what you want. Because, you know, like the tree being a kind of local celebrity, even professors are excited to be like involved in Tree Week or be involved with the tree. So this professor was really enthusiastic, like, yeah, come and do something. And so I ended up kicking down the door to the classroom and just taking over lecture on a random like Wednesday or something and just started teaching the class about adolescent sexual development, quote unquote, even though I have no idea anything about that. And I basically played the part of an estranged professor who thinks kids will ruin your life and that you should never have kids. And so I taught the class how to put a condom onto a banana and then (laughs) was just like teaching these kids all these all these this bullshit stuff about like uh oh you need to make sure like if you have kids you're not you're not going to be able to accomplish your dreams so you just should not have kids just the whole off the rails kind of lecture and then i just left and that was that was one of the two weeks of things that i had done um another one i did is there's a game called chubby bunny where you put marshmallows in your mouth you try to stuff as many marshmallows as you can in your mouth and i did that with Um, Tabasco hot sauce soaked marshmallows in the middle of the public square in Stanford surrounded by maybe 300 400 people and I was stuffing my mouth with these hot sauce marshmallows was oh man it was an experience that's amazing that's that's hilarious I I love that about Stanford like the whole tree week thing is just so funny to me and it's such a unique creative way for the next mascot to get chosen I just I love it yeah it's amazing so take us through like what that felt like when you're trying to become the tree, you're doing all these crazy things like like why why did you like put yourself through all of that, you know, embarrassment or just putting yourself out there in those like strange ways? Like why? Like why? I think that's a very valid good question, but I think the answer is just that um an experience like Tree Week is really the only way to tell if somebody can could handle what you need to handle if you're the tree. Because like I said, with the tree being one singular person and not having to hide your identity, um, I would say you deal with a lot of different things that other mascots probably don't deal with. Um, you know, other mascots, there are handlers who can communicate for you and like lead you around and things. You can't see very clearly outside of the costume most of the time. The tree, you can really move around a lot more and like you can talk with people and don't have to have a handler. And so 
really the 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 weight of tree comes down on this one person to you know deliver an entertaining performance to handle themselves in front of no matter who it is whether it's like a drunk fan at a football game or the president of the university this person needs to be able to handle themselves and um i think tree week it it's kind of a demonstration of um the zany fun spirit that has always encapsulated tree um you know you don't want to give the tree to somebody who cannot make something out of nothing because that's kind of the entire point is that the tree is made newly every year. I forgot to mention that every single year, every time there's a new tree who's picked, they construct that year's tree. And, you know, someone's got to be able to make something out of nothing like in that way. And then whenever they have the tree on, like they're going to be put in these really weird situations. Like, um, I remember we actually together were at Raiders stadium and you were talking to the, who I later found out was the president of the Raider, the Raiders, but you couldn't speak to him because you're in costume. And then I came up to, he said something like, Oh, imagine being a tree in a costume. Like that must suck. Right. And then I, I just walked in and I was like, what did you say about me, sir? <laughs> and like those kind of things happening is just like other mascots don't necessarily have things like that that happen. And we need to figure out a way to test if somebody can handle those things happening. And I think tree week having to come up with these stunts and then having to perform them, follow through, uh, and put themselves out there in the university, especially putting themselves in public. That's like a really good test of like, can this person handle what they will be exposed to if they are the tree? That really is such a funny dynamic. Like, <laughs> there's nothing quite like the tree. I just, I just think that's so funny. So, take us through like creating or designing or making your tree. Like, what sorts of things went into that? Did you consider like, you know, the character of your tree and like how to develop that, like what sorts of things went into that process? Yeah. So every single tree, I think has a very personal and different reason or different reasons why they built their tree the way they did. Um, I think your tree is an extension of your personality in a lot of ways, or at least that's how we see it. And so the tree that you construct really, it conforms to what you want it to be, what, what you want to make it. So, um, I built my tree, Kind of, so it's kind of some backstory. My tree mother, her tree was rainbow and like psychedelic and had a bunch of, bunch of colors. It was crazy. And I like that, but I also like the classic green. So I decided to make the outside of the leaves green and the insides colorful, like random things. So when I jump and span, like spun around, um, then the leaves would open up and you could see all the colors. But I also, when I was constructing my tree, I wanted it to be light physically so I wouldn't break my back doing crazy moves and I could run around really fast and dance really crazily um, so I did that and then I picked the shape of the leaves is generally something that's pretty important to trees it's like means something to them and I picked my leaf shape to be the tulip tree leaf um, because there's a tulip tree planted outside on on my hometown farm and um, that tree always meant a lot to me so I made myself that tree um and then finally, every tree selects a name for their tree costume, because like I said, the tree is the person, the tree is not the costume. That's another big, important thing to note. Um, and so I built my tree and I named him Herman. Uh, and I named him Herman because I'm the 43rd Stanford tree. The 39th Stanford tree, Sam Wyan, is actually my long lost third cousin. And I'm not joking. He's actually my third cousin. His, his grandpa grew up with my grandma in our hometown. We didn't know each other until I became the tree. And then I was like, hey... During tree week, I was like, hey, I'm your cousin. Like, believe it or not, I'm literally your cousin. And so that has never happened. And the chances of that happening are just like so low that I made my entire tree week a joke off of that. 
And the reason how Herman comes into it is that he and I's common ancestor is our great-great-grandpa Herman. And so I named my tree after Herman as a kind of allusion to my tree week. That's that's hilarious. Like, <laughs> being a tree is literally in your blood. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was meant to be. It was meant to be. That's so funny. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so explain to us, like, being able to talk to people, right? Because, you know, mascots that we have on the show, you know, it's all, oh, how do you, you know, use nonverbal communication and all of that sort of thing. But the tree is so different in that, you know, you're totally in every way, like, out as the tree. Like, you walk around campus, people know that it's you. Um, you know, you go to, like you were mentioning, we were at um, the stadium and, and, you know, you were able to talk to people as a person. Like, that's so different as a mascot. Um, so describe some of your experiences with that and, like, what that dynamic was like. Right, right. It's a very interesting dynamic. It's very fun, I think, because when you're in costume, like, people just say things to you, things to you that are, like, really fun sometimes, really weird sometimes, and sometimes just, like, mean things. And I'm sure, like, every mascot has experienced somebody saying something mean to them, but the best part of Tree is you can fire back at them and, be <laughs> like, say something to them. And there's, like, so many funny stories just from that. Um, but also, I think... Um, something great is when you're the tree, you find yourself in spaces with a bunch of famous people or like really cool individuals that you want to meet. And I could just walk up to them and just pull the tree up and be like, introduce myself. Hi, I'm Grayson. Like, nice to meet you. Um, Andrew Luck actually came to Stanford stadium. He was a quarterback for us back in the day and played for the Colts. And he was out at the field for some reason, getting some kind of announcement or something. And I saw him and I was like, I want to go meet Andrew Luck. So I just walked up to him, pulled the tree up and I said, hi, Andrew, my name is Grayson. Like, I'd like to introduce myself on the tree. And I got to shake his hand and, like, have a conversation with Andrew Luck just on the field. And I did that with Eli Manning, like, uh, Jim Plunkett, like, a bunch of famous... I held an Olympic gold medal in my hands because I just asked if I could hold it. Like, things like that are very special to the tree. Because um, also, like, when you're wearing the tree, it's almost like a green super suit. Like, you can just do whatever you want. And being able to talk to people while doing that is is... It's like so special and so much fun. It adds a lot of uh, dynamicism to that. Dynamicism, dynamicism, whatever, however you say that. Just makes things a lot more, there's a lot more crazy things that could happen, I would say. That's really funny. So give us a story. Like what is the craziest thing that has happened to you as the tree? Well, the, the, I don't know. It's cra craziest is hard to say because there's so many. I'd have to sift through my brain. But one thing that does come to mind immediately is when I was in the tree, um, I always hated if anyone would grab the tree or touch the tree because everyone's wanted to grab or touch something. If you would grab or touch the tree and I would turn around and be like, hey, please no, like, please don't touch me. And so there was one time I was down in the football field for a fall football game at home and I feel a little tug on the left side of the tree and I'm like, again, why is it? And I turn around and I say, who the fuck? And as I'm like right about to say that, I turn, it's the president of the university, Mark Tessier-Levine, just right there. And he was the one who tugged on the tree. And I was literally about to like drop the F-bomb to his face. And I was like, oh, uh, hi, Mr. President. <laughs> That's really funny. So you kind of mentioned how, you know, putting on the tree is kind of like putting on a super suit um, and you can just do like, whatever you want like describe that feeling you know i'm just, i see andrew luck i'm just gonna go say hi to him like like what is that 
like, you know, to just be able to kind of get away with whatever you want. Like, that's, that's pretty cool. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, the celebrities aspect of the tree, along with just the, the reputation tree has, is to do what it wants, right? And so you kind of get the generations of trees who have established that legacy behind you when you're in the tree. Um, so I guess, like, how it feels whenever you go do that, it's almost like, I'm going to do this because I want to, because it sounds fun. And that's the only justification you need to go do it. And that's how it's been for the entire tree is that I wanted, I wanted to go talk to Andrew Luck. So I went and talked to Andrew Luck and any of the trees before would have been like, yeah, that's sick as hell. You should do something like that. Um, just cause that's the culture of tree is just like, if something's fun, like you might as well go do it. Like life's too short, just go do it. Um, and so I think it kind of imbues a boldness in you, but also I think that's kind of where tree week comes into is you, you want to select somebody who is bold, who's not afraid to like take advantage of tree and, and to have a great time with it. And I think that's something we look for, um, when we're selecting the trees, just like, is this person going to take advantage of the great thing that is tree? Like they're going to own it for a year. It's going to be theirs. Nobody can take it from them. Like, are they going to make the most of it? And, um, I think I made the most of it. That's so cool. And I love that like philosophy of like, I want to do this. So I'm going to do this. And obviously like with the responsibility and maintaining that, you know, you represent the school and you represent something bigger than yourself, but having that attitude of like, this is something that I want to go do. I'm just going to go do it. I'm going to go, you know, pursue life and have an adventure and just see where things go. I, I really, I really love that. Yeah, it was actually kind of a funny story with that too, is uh, during the pandemic, the New York Times called me and wanted to give me an interview um, for some article they were writing about El Palo Alto, the redwood tree that Stanford's city is named after. And the guy on the phone, he calls, he calls me and we're talking, he says to me, he's like, so do you think that the tree exists to represent Silicon Valley's think outside of the box mentality? Like, do you think that's why the tree exists? And I was like, I don't know who told you that, man. Like the tree exists to have a great time for the person who is the tree. Like I, I told him, I was like, I guess it, it is a good parallel, a cool parallel of Silicon Valley thinking outside the box. But like, no, the tree exists for the tree. Like that's the reason the tree exists is purely self-serving. <laughs> and so it's just uh, it's so much fun just being able to be the tree like that. That really is funny. So Describe also the legacy of the tree, because you mentioned, you know, you're the 43rd tree and your cousins with the 39th tree, like, like describe what the legacy is like, you know, that you not only have those records going all the way back, but like, what is that community of trees like? Yeah, it's, it's really like a family. Like it's once you're, there are only 44 now individuals who know what it's like to wear the leafy crown to like go do all those fun things. Um, the 44th being my, my one and only son, Jordan, um, go follow at the Stanford tree on Instagram. Um, but anyway, there were 42 above me and they're like mentors to me, family to me. I know anywhere I travel in the United States, I could just meet up with the trees who are there. Um, when we went to Mar March Madness in Minneapolis, um, this last year, um, I had a tree from like 2005 reach out to me and be like, Hey, let's meet up and go get a beer. Like, uh, let's hang out for a little bit. And I met up with him and it was super great. And just like having that kind of older mentor there, um, who could relate to all the things that I'd done. And 
also, like, not gonna lie, hella good network. Like, they're still Stanford alumni, and so there are trees that have done crazy things, and, um, like, tree number two, Bob Siegel, is a professor in the med school at Stanford, and he still is, like, a great, very accessible mentor, and, like, always happy to talk tree and, like, help you with other things like your career, and so, honestly, I think the lineage is probably my favorite part of tree. Um, like, where else are you gonna get that many that collection of individuals <laughs> in the world is just, a, it's great. That's so amazing. I, I, I really appreciate that about Stanford. Like the, you know, the, the whole forest thing, it's, it's a whole forest family of trees that all, you know, have the same understanding and attitude toward life. It's amazing. I love it so much. <laughs> so having met like other trees, like, do you see kind of a common theme of, like, who succeeds in a tree? Or even just how did you choose your, you know, protege tree? So I think trees, if you look at all the trees down the line, they each have very unique personalities. All the trees are very, very different individuals. Um, but I think what binds us all together is the tree spirit, like the right energy, the kind of knowing when is enough care to give and when you stop caring so much and um you know a kind of a love of just like creating chaos and like embracing fun wacky experiences that might just come upon you and um i think also just like that creative like showmanship energy is also very important and so i think that's what binds all of the trees down the lineage together including the latest tree like when i said you said what are you looking for or what did i look for i was looking for that kind of stuff and um, I found in my son an individual who embodies those kind of things. And um, I knew he was meant to be tree. I was like, perfect. He's the tree. Um, and that generally is how it is through every tree week is, is um, they're, you know, obviously contested close races. Uh, but generally it's like a person really screams like they're the Stanford tree. And some people who became the tree actually tried out two or three times. Um, and sometimes just not the years right or whatever. And, but uh yeah, it's that that energy, that spirit. That's what we're looking for. I love that. And how do you feel like you grew from your time as the tree? Because I imagine you went in a certain way and then you came out another way having experienced the tree. So could you could you describe a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I think I grew a lot. Like, I think I personally developed just a whole bunch from being tree um, because it just put me in a lot of challenging situations that I didn't think I was going to be in, especially being the pandemic tree. I actually held it for two years instead of one, which is traditional because I got selected right before COVID hit. Um, but I think it was really a experience that made me grow a lot because of the different people I was talking to, the different places I was going, the things I was doing. A lot of times where I had to figure things out for myself um, because there's only one tree, you don't have that support team. And so I had opportunities to talk, like I said, to celebrities, to the president of the university, to the provost, to pretty like high university officials, along with kids and teachers and, you know, athletes and just all these different people. And I was traveling all over the country, sometimes by myself. I went to Vegas four times as the tree, but just so many situations where I wouldn't have necessarily thought that I would find myself in that situation and hadn't prepared for something like that. And then I nonetheless had to figure it out. I think that taught me a lot of things about how to handle myself and uh, how to deal with adverse situations that might come up. Um, but I definitely feel like a better person from having done the tree. What do you think that society at large can take away from that attitude? Because I feel like that's such a 
I feel like in today's, you know, world, people are afraid to try new things or people are often, you know, limit themselves to what they're comfortable with. And I feel like as the tree, like the nature of being the tree is to just go out and like do something and have an adventure. And like you said, you know, talk to so many different individuals or be put in like a new situation where you may be, you know, traveling across the country by yourself and you're responsible for being the tree. Like, could you describe what you think that society can take away from the lessons that you learned? Yeah, I think I completely agree with the things you've said. Um, I think the biggest lesson I would hopefully have people learn from tree is just to not take things too seriously. Uh, Of course, there are things to be taken seriously in life, obviously, but there are a lot of things that are just worth enjoying for what they are, um, not overthinking them. Um, I think, like you said, a lot of people are scared to do new things, try new things, or put themselves out there. And the tree was really the epitome of trying new things and putting yourself out there. And I got to do things and experience things that I never dreamt that I would be able to do when I was in high school, thinking about college. And I um you know, I'm so thankful that I went out on a limb, pun intended, to become the tree because I was not thinking about that before. Um, so I guess, yeah, just I would, I would hope people would, um, you know, look at the fun things in life and be optimistic about all the great things there are to experience in life and to, you know, go out on a limb, take a, take a leap of faith and go try things, even if they might not work out well, like at least you tried and you know that they're not for you, but like you never take that first step, you're never going to go anywhere. Um yeah, that's what I, I really hope that, that the tree mentality could, could be rubbed off on people in some way, in that specific way of being bold, um, being fearless, just being willing to take risks and enjoy what's out there to enjoy. Be willing to go on, out on a limb. I, I love that. I think that's... Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so you were able to, you, you mentioned you, you know, interacted with so many different types of people, whether that's, you know, ranging from celebrities to, you know, just small children. Um, What is something that you've learned about humanity from your time as the tree? You're asking a tree about humanity. I think traveling all over and meeting people, talking to people, I think humans or I guess Americans, I guess I'd speak on, are more similar than they are different in most every case. Especially I came from rural America and then went to the Bay Area, like very different political spheres there. And I found that that and in addition to all my travels and tree, people are generally like good people want the best for each other, want the best for the country, et cetera, et cetera. I have the same goals in mind. It's just people are not on the same page on how to achieve those goals. And just meeting all the wonderful people and the wonderful personalities around the nation as I traveled around in the tree, like I really was impressed by how just the quality of people that I was meeting everywhere I went. And it was very... Um, heartwarming for me that given the division in our country the last couple years especially to be able to travel around and still have a good time with all these different people of different backgrounds and um, different perspectives and still be able to come to common ground and have a good time together um, that was reminded me of the good in humanity I think that's really really powerful and I think that's such a good place to leaf us yeah (laughs) good one (laughs) but i i really really appreciate your time i really appreciate your wisdom as such a you know mature tree um to bestow on us your wisdom so grayson thank you so much for being on the show yeah thank you for having me again this is this is a blast if you enjoyed this episode rest assured we've got plenty more on the way as we continue to get to know the wacky interesting and endearing characters who bring your favorite mascots to life 
Until next time, I'm your host, Daniel Chatterjian, for Behind the Mascot. If you would like to support this podcast financially, please Venmo donations to add Behind the Mascot. If not, please continue to enjoy our episodes free of charge and spread the word with your friends and family. Thank you.